Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. It is June the 10th, 2023. Let's take you back to March 2020. There was no Rum Bunter podcast. There was Rum Bunter, yes, but we didn't know each other. And for the next three years, we would only see each other virtually. But on June the 10th, 2023, for the first time, we are doing this podcast in person. How about it, gentlemen? It has been great to get to actually meet you guys in person for the first time after doing over 100 episodes, covering everything that has gone on through this absolutely miserable rebuild, through a lot of losing, uh, and what's been a really fun 2023 so far. Uh, we're coming to you guys from Federal Galley, not Gallery, that is Federal Galley, getting to enjoy it today, getting to kind of preview what's going on later today. Andrew McCutcheon at 1,199, excuse me, 1,999 hits. One away from Mr. 2K. Here to preview the rest of this series. Here to just kind of chalk it up as, uh, as we join you from this really cool, I don't even know what to call it, I guess food court, gallery type, uh, galley style restaurant. Um, gentlemen, how about it? We are here in person. How are you guys doing? And apologize for those just listening. We have uh, a bit of a different setup today. One microphone we're going to be passing around here and a little bit more ambiance than, uh, than we're used to. But uh, I'll hand it off to Marty here. How does it feel to be getting to do Rumba to Radio in person? Yeah, it's pretty great. You know, you mentioned Trey. We've been doing this for three years now. I mean, for for those who don't know the full backstory here, I mean, Nick and I got into this in, in March of 2016, I believe it was. Um, he and I have been best friends since college and and so to uh finally have trey here in person up from nashville is pretty awesome but uh yeah no it's cool set up here federal federal galley excuse me and uh yeah like you said it's it's fun to have it in person like this the pirates are playing well they're playing much better than anybody could have anticipated uh you know we're coming to you saturday at about 2 15 last night they beat the snot out of the mets later today we should be getting andrew mccutcheon's 2000th hit so yeah i think things are going pretty well yeah, I'm excited to be here with you guys. Trey, it was great to finally get to meet you. Um, you know, it's one of those things like you never know what to expect when you meet someone in person. But honestly, you're, you're exactly what I thought. So, you know, those three years virtually, you know, they were they were good still. But it's good to finally meet you in person. Uh, Federal Galley over here, you know, it's really cool setup. Nice outdoor porch area, lots of umbrellas, lots of food options, pet-friendly, kid-friendly. So... You know, this is definitely a cool place to just come hang out, spend an afternoon. Um, but, you know, that's what we're going to be doing here. We're going to be spending an afternoon here, then head over to the ballpark later. You know, honestly, guys, I didn't uh, I didn't know if you guys thought I was real. I didn't know if you guys thought I was just virtual and, uh, you know, just joined you every week. <laughs> just a figment of your imagination, but uh, we're doing it, gentlemen, and... 1,100, excuse me, 1,999. The timing of this is incredible to think that Andrew McCutcheon, a guy that's kind of symbolized what Pirates baseball is 
for our generation, you know, for what winning has been, the little that has been over the last two decades, it's Andrew McCutcheon. He was the start of it. He has been the guy. He is back. He is uh, close to this milestone. And we talked about it before the season when that move went down. There was going to be milestones that were probably going to be achieved this season in a Pirates uniform. But take me through the emotions, guys, of what this means Marty, I know you were there the night of that wild card game. Um, you know, that was probably one of the most, maybe the most emotional day as a Pirates fan in the last decade. Today is a chance to be right there, in my opinion. Yeah, you mentioned that wild card game in 2013. Just my, my lasting memory of that game, when Russell Martin hit that home run in the second inning, um, I remember, I mean, my dad was right next to me. You know, he's at, at a ballpark like that. And I could look at him. I could clear as day tell he was screaming, and I could not hear him. It was that loud. Um, you know, I, I tell people, honestly, you put the birth of my children and my wedding day aside, that might be the best single day of my life. Um, and today is going to be, like you said, it's not going to be on the same level as that. Now, albeit the team keeps playing the way they have, and this division keeps doing what they're doing, we might have some days like that coming in October. But um, today's going to be a very special day for Pirate fans, assuming this is the day it happens, because... You know, you talk about Andrew McCutcheon. I've said before, in my opinion, he belongs on the Mount Rushmore, the Pittsburgh Pirates, because of what he has done for this team, not just on the field, but off the field, um, especially our generation of Pirate fans, where we, we didn't know winning. We didn't know a pennant race. We didn't know any of this. And then Andrew McCutcheon came along, and it all changed. So, yeah, today should be a very special day at the ballpark, assuming he gets that 2000th hit. If he does not... Whatever day that happens, hopefully if it doesn't today, it's tomorrow, so he doesn't get it at Wrigley. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very special day for Pirate fans. You're talking about an all-time great, an all-time great who left and has come back. And, um, you know, one, one of the cool caveats I feel with McCutcheon is that, yeah, he left, but by leaving, he kind of got us that next all-time great. I, I remember last night during the broadcast – you know, Neil Walker making a comment, or, or Kevin Young, excuse me, Kevin Young was on TV last night, but Kevin Young making a comment how, you know, 10, 11 years down the road, we might be talking about Brian Reynolds and his 2000th hit as a Pittsburgh Pirate. So it, it's just crazy how that all kind of worked out in the end with McCutcheon and the Pirates. And, yeah, it's it's been a blast this year. I'm going to take it a little different route with the prospect view of McCutcheon. You know, he was a first-round pick, and – he kind of signifies everything that's gone wrong with the Pittsburgh Pirates, honestly, in our lifetime. But, I mean, symbolizes the other side of that. You know, how many of our first-round picks have actually reached that potential outside of him? Not a whole lot. Garrett Cole, but he's done that elsewhere even. You know, Andrew McCutcheon's prime was here. His MVP season was here. His 2000 hit is going to be here. Um, you know, he, like Marty said is more than just a really good player for the Pittsburgh Pirates in their history, but just someone who literally got this team out of a very dark age. I mean, it was it was bad. The optimism now is refreshing. Like you guys were talking about, it reminds me of the postseason years, you know, and, and just sprinkling this Andrew McCutcheon uh, milestone. And, you know, I think it's kind of like it's telling in a way, like, Hey, like you know what? Maybe maybe things are going in the right direction. Maybe <laughs> this season has been so wild, guys. Um, you know, so many twists and turns. But as we sit here on June uh, on June the tenth, this seems back in the first place, a tie for it. Um, you know, and so many different twists and turns. But to kind of keep going with Andrew McCutcheon, let's reflect a little bit. And we didn't 
You know, something I think that's so cool about today, we didn't really get to do a, an official 100th episode the way we wanted to. So, um, you know, today I feel like is a good day to reflect a little bit and kind of look back at some of this stuff. What's been your favorite memory with Andrew McCutcheon? <clears throat> Man, that's tough. I, I think if I had to pick one particular moment, hit whatever it might be, in 2015, because that team was so much fun, 98 wins and everything they did, <clears throat> right before the All-Star break, um, they had the back-to-back walk-off hits. There, there was the Sunday night baseball game where they overcame like a three-run deficit, I think it was, two or three runs in the bottom of the 10th against the Cardinals. I was there with my buddy John. Shout out to John. I know you're listening. Um, when Gregory Polanco walked it off. But the night prior, everything that could go wrong for the Pirates did. There were bad calls by the umpires. Francisco Cervelli and Clint Hurdle were both ejected in, like, the second inning. And the reason they were ejected was to protect A.J. Burnett and keep him from getting ejected. Um, And it ended where the Cardinals had – they pitched the McCutcheon with up a run with a runner on second, and I think one out, if I remember correctly, in the pitcher spot on deck and no position players left. So you could have easily intentionally walked Andrew McCutcheon. They pitched to him. McCutcheon is a walk off the center field. Um, Steve Blass and Greg Brown, just an incredible radio call. I, I just remember Blass at the end saying, you know, they, you're never going to see a team have to fight for a win like they did tonight. How proud are you of your Pittsburgh Pirates tonight? And, and, and I feel like that 2015 season probably doesn't get viewed the way it should because of how it ended. But that series against the Cardinals going into the All-Star break where they won four in a row, including back-to-back walk-offs, one of which by Kutch, is just one of my all-time favorite regular season moments in the history of this franchise. So if I had to pick one particular moment for Andrew McCutcheon, it's probably that. Um, but just his overall impact on the organization, on the franchise, on the city has been incredible. You know, you had his mom sing the, the national anthem for the Wild Card game in 2013. Everything he meant or has meant and continues to mean to the entire city of Pittsburgh. I mean, the guy, he's not from here. He's from Fort Meade, Florida, and has decided to make his life here. He lives here, for God's sake. His first son is named Steele. Um, he embraced this city every bit as much as we embraced him, and that'll just never, never not be awesome to me. You know, for me, it's the very first thing he did. He was called up, let off the game, smacked the single, stole base, and right then and there you kind of saw, like, okay, this guy, this guy's got some talent, you know, and I really believe that, you know, he evolved as a player much differently than we first saw when he came up, but you knew he had the tools, you knew he had the hype to actually see it, though, at that time. You know, this was a time when prospects were just starting to become a more popular thing to talk about, um, you know, more access to footage and scouting reports on them. So there wasn't, you know, a ton about McCutcheon other than maybe what you would get in the paper each day um, if you were able to find something online. And, uh, you know, you just knew he was a first-round pick and he was supposed to be good. And to, to see him come up and, you know, just start it off with just a base hit right up the middle. I mean, it's just who he is as a player and you know that was the start of a great career yeah no doubt I mean it was from the jump um you know and a guy that in so many ways just set the trend for was what was to come with different players that came up after him and different guys that they signed uh, along the way there um but, you know, as we, we talk about McCutcheon, you have to talk about what came after that. Brian Reynolds obviously returns uh, in that deal, a deal that 
upset everybody, of course, because it was the guy for this franchise. And uh, <laughs> we're getting selfie time here. This is what this is about. Make sure we're capturing everything today. Um, but, you know, Andrew McCutcheon not only set a new wave of baseball in Pittsburgh, but also brought Brian Reynolds to this city. Not necessarily him himself, but that deal did. We're bouncing around here, guys, because uh, we're not going to make this episode terribly long. We are going to the game today, so we're going to get in the ballpark and, um, you know, get to enjoy it all. So I kind of want to take it in a different direction real quick as we talk about this rebuild. And we talked about it a little bit on our last episode, but, you know, looking at this rebuild, we started our podcast March of 2020. That was, I would say, the beginning of, uh, you know, what was a difficult time to be a Pirates fan um, for a lot of different reasons. We're sitting here in June of 2023. This team is tied for first place. I don't want to say this rebuild is over by any means, but we're in a much different spot than we were a couple years ago. How would you guys compare this rebuild to other rebuilds of recent memory? And, um, you know, if you kind of had to grade it a little bit, how has this gone, gentlemen? I think first and foremost, um, this rebuild is on schedule. I think if you would go back and listen to some of those early podcast shows, we talked a lot about the year 2023. Maybe not necessarily them winning the division or even being in the playoffs, but we kind of set that 2023 as like, hey, things need to start moving in the right direction, and obviously they have and, and more. So, you know, I think in terms of that, like you have to be happy with – what we have right now, I'm, I'm a little concerned, um, you know, for this season specifically, but, but the future, I think we're on track. You know, I think back to, you know, the rebuild, of course, you know, the famous one of Neil Huntington when he came in and started 2008 taking Pedro Alvarez. And, you know, Huntington, for as much as he did to obviously put this team in, in the playoffs, um, you know, he, he drafted relatively poor. And, you know, I think one thing we can all agree on is that that we're seeing the draft process and even the international um, prospect signing process become very much a key to this organization, not just something they talk about and hope they do well, but something they truly invest in and they know they need to. And, you know, we're we're finally starting to probably see, you know, if those picks are going to pay off, guys like Henry Davis, um, guys like... Nick Gonzalez, you know, we're, we're, we're going to see them. So, and even Quinn Priester, who was previous regime Huntington's last pick, first-round pick in 2019, um, you know, we're, we're going to start seeing some of the, the outcomes from those drafts. And, you know, the fact that we're a competitive team right now and we're still waiting on a lot of those guys is, is a very positive thing. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, we, we talked a lot in early days, 2023, 2023. And, you know, I agree with you. I don't necessarily think – you looked at this as a year they could win the National League Central. Um, they've gotten a lot of help this year from this division just being atrocious. I mean, the Cardinals have been probably the most underachieving team in baseball. The Cubs suck, the Reds suck, and the Brewers have no lineup whatsoever. But, you know, I feel like they're kind of right where you would have thought they might be in 2023 record-wise, and they're just benefiting from the division being bad. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously this, this rebuild, whatever you want to call it, has gone quicker than the Huntington one. Now, I think that does also need to note that not that Ben Charrington in, inherited a good situation necessarily, but he inherited a much better situation than uh, what Neil Huntington did. But um, 
yeah, you know, you're you're in a position where this year, if nothing else, you know, you're you're getting in the middle of June here. You're still over 500. You're you're contending for a division crown. Even if you don't win the division, you don't make the postseason. There, there's clear strides that have been made, um, and I, I think there can be some comparisons between this club and you know the 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 20, 22 Baltimore Orioles, to where the Orioles didn't make the playoffs. They didn't win their division. They were in it till September, finished over five hundred, and now this year we see the Orioles taking off as one of the best teams in the American League. Now, that's not to say the Pirates can be one of the best teams in the National League next year, but. I think there's some there's some comparisons there to where, hey, you're a young team, you're maybe outperforming expectations, you're seeing young guys step up, and if you can add a couple pieces in the offseason, have a couple guys develop, you know, a Quinn Priester, a Henry Davis, like you mentioned, Nick, um, I think you really could be in, content, in position to uh, make some noise starting next year. But, hey, with this division, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this team could be playing baseball in October. We're passing around the mic here. We're uh, we're hurtling over some beers. This is um, this is a unique experience, gentlemen, and it's cool because you know we're about to go watch a team that is in first place right now, and in a season that I think realistically they could win the division. I don't necessarily think that this is uh, a season where you need to go out of your way to move pieces that um, you know would drastically change this rebuild and change the way that um, this organization looks. But hey, maybe there are moves that need to be made to get this team to that division title, to get this team to the playoffs. We talked about it a lot in our last episode. Um, you know, what, what does it look like at the end of July? Do they move some of these prospects? In your guys' mind, what's the perfect deal? Who are you comfortable with moving? Um, if you guys just kind of want to give a few names here, because personally, and I know this is kind of where we disagree, Marty, I don't move anybody. You know, I, I know you fundamentally disagree with the idea that win with what you have. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It takes them in the division, but with the way that they've rebuilt this thing, I just, I don't know if it would make sense to sell anything to try to win now. We got 2024 and 2025 coming. <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying, but to me, the biggest thing is you look at this middle infield. Um, you look at what the likes of Tucapita Marcano, Rodolfo Castro, and G1 Bay have done this year. You look at what you have when you get O'Neill Cruz back. All of a sudden, you have four pretty quality infielders for two spots. Um, I mean, sure, you could bump Bay out to center, but still, it still gives you three guys for two spots. Nick Gonzalez and Leover Paguero are probably two guys. And, Nick, I know you kind of wrote something along those lines with the Chicago White Sox earlier this week. Um, I would look to move because, to me, you, you have four guys in the, who have proven they can play those positions and played at a high level in the majors. You want to trade from your strength. Um, I think you if you're in this in July, I think you have to bring in starting pitching, even if it's a rental guy, because right now – if nothing else, injuries have made this starting rotation a major question mark. You'd love to add a bat. 
But if you don't, you don't. Because really, you know, you look at catcher and first base, the new positions in offense the most. Well, first base, you have Carlos Santana, who's been arguably the best defensive first baseman in baseball this year and is a leader of this team. You're not going to move on from him. And catcher, in theory, when Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez get here, that fixes that problem. But, yeah, I think you look for starting pitching. I mean, one guy I will continue to go back to, um, some of this coming from things we've been told from people within the industry, Luis Robert. Now, albeit the White Sox look like they're going to get their life together, largely because the American League Central is somehow worse than the National League Central. But if the White Sox would fall completely out of it, that's a guy to go after because he could fix center field for a long time. But, yeah, I think if I'm Ben Charrington and I'm looking to add impact in July, the middle infields where I'm looking to trade from, Maybe even one of those guys on the Major League roster not named O'Neill Cruz. You look to move because you could bring up a Gonzalez or a Paguero to replace them. But that, that's one thing I'm definitely looking to do if I'm Ben Charrington. And maybe even the pitching. Like, I know you don't want to give up pitching, but you have a lot of potential high-end pitching in the low minors. Thomas Harrington, Anthony Solomedo, Bubba Chandler. If you could move one of them and in turn land someone with four or five years of control, I wouldn't be afraid to do that either because, it to me, that's not – that's playing to win now and in the future. You know, I, maybe it's a bad comparison because injuries kind of caused it to not work out. But look at the 2012 Pirates. They gave up a lot at the deadline, but they brought in Andy Rodriguez, or, uh, geez, not Andy Rodriguez, I, excuse me, Wandy Rodri- Rodriguez, with the idea he would bolster the rotation in 2012, be there in 13, be there in 14. Well, due to injuries, his option was not exercised after 13. But, you know, you're willing to give up more in a trade like that for a guy who's proven if they can help you for two or three years because they can then become part of this core. Yeah, like you said, Marty, I think it has to be a very specific type of deal. Um, you know, I don't think they can necessarily go for the, the big price rentals that will be available um, just because you'll have the bigger market teams who are going to be more willing to move on from pieces uh, than the Pirates should be, and, and that's totally fine. Um, so it's going to be a more creative type deal. You know, I wrote mainly about the White Sox and about their starting rotation. They have five legitimate dudes in their starting rotation. Um, you know, Michael Kopech is the one I highlighted just because I thought he would be easiest to probably lose. Just, just the amount of innings he's thrown the last two years combined with um, only being controlled through next year, you know, would keep his costs relatively low, but also gives you a year of him being around. And like Marty said, to let some of those younger prospects, Solomedo, Harrington, uh, Bubba Chandler, even Jared Jones potentially, allow them to kind of, you know, develop the way they want them to develop rather than trying to get them up here to help. So, you know, bringing in a guy like Kopech, who has a lot, lot of upside, has been pitching well lately, and, you know, seeing what this staff has done with some of the pitchers currently, I think it could be a really positive thing. And, Marty, you nailed it with um, the middle infield depth. I mean, it will be interesting to see if Ben Charrington, by trade, enjoys trading away the Neil Huntington players first, right? We've seen him pretty much deal away a lot of those guys, um, guys like Castro and Bay, like you said, who are more major league ready, but in positions that – there's prospects who honestly might have a little more upside, you know, if not just as much as, as those guys. So it will be interesting to see. I do think middle infield's where you trade for. I would be very much open to trading uh, Nick Gonzalez or Lee over Paguero. I would pr- 
prefer Paguero just because Gonzalez is closer to the majors and you spent a number seven overall pick on him. Um, or number six, was it? I can't seven. seven, seven, yeah. But I also get, you know, Paguero was the first notable prospect that uh, Ben Charrington traded for. And if you move on from him and what Brendan Malone's struggles to stay on a baseball field, you know, that wouldn't um, probably sit well with him. So it will be interesting. I don't think they're going to be super aggressive at the deadline. I think they, if they want to get a controllable player, like you're saying about Mario, a guy who's maybe here for three, maybe four years, like that's something that they would be much more open to doing in the off season, and just like Trey said, kind of just rolling with the what they what they have and hoping that the the trade deadline acquisitions can be the cliche of the injury guys and the prospects coming up. I think it's classic pay it forward, but at the same time, you do need to do something. If you're in position to win the division, maybe add a guy from uh, from that White Sox rotation or, you know, whatever you're able to get. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, you just kind of got to take it day by day. It's going to be Mets Pirates tonight. Um, and we're joining you guys from the Federal Galley. Cannot thank this spot enough. I mean, what a cool place. Got a back patio, a front patio, all kinds of restaurants. Great setup beer, um, you know, a couple of different bars inside. Big shout out to our guy, Alex, getting us hooked up today. Chad, uh, don't forget Chad. Chad, yes, Chad. Uh, and Jillian as well. Everybody here at Federal Galley getting us uh, getting us locked in. This has been an amazing experience. Um, I want to transition, guys. We'll talk baseball in our next episode, and we're, you know, a couple hundred miles away from each other. <laughs> While we're here, I want to get into a little bit of Rum Bunter. Talk about what it is like to, to get to do what you gentlemen do. Um, you know, and on the Twitter side as well as the website, getting to interact with Pirates fans and, you know, just kind of what continues to fuel the fire for you guys with everything going on. I mean, you guys are truly the, the heart and soul of, of what we do at Run Bunter. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's easy. It's just I, I love the Pittsburgh Pirates. I have my entire life. Um, you know, Nick, Nick and I in college started a blog I, uh, by the name of Clemente's Wall. If anyone's out there able to remember that, God bless you. But... Um, and we joined Rumbunner in March of 16, and it's just, I, it, it's great. There is much worse things you can do in the world to make a little bit extra money than to talk about your favorite baseball team. Um, it's not just that. I, it, whenever I get messages from people who appreciate what we do, I mean, for example, um, just last week I got a text message from Dr. Mark Previte, who was Nick and I's academic advisor in college, um, about how he reads Rumbunner every single day and follows us on Twitter and thanked us for creating that spot for pirate fans to go and celebrate and vent and complain and bitch and whatever it might be about what's going on. And it's like, it's fun, man. I love it. Um, yeah, it's cool. I love it. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else on the side. I mean, people have listened to us a lot, you know, Nick and I both are teachers. This is our, this is our side gig. This is the, Hey, have a little bit of fun, make a little bit of spending money on the side, whatever it might be. But, uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, Rum Bunter was something that long before us had a good reputation in Pittsburgh. When we took over the site, it was not at a great spot. Um, March of 2016, the political climate at the time in the United States, Nick and I, along with Dave Sluicer, who's no longer with us, started the Make Rum Bunter Great Again movement. <laughs> Dave, Dave Sluicer is still with us. He's just not working with, yeah, with Roman. He's, still He's still alive, yes, Dave. Dave, Dave is not dead, yes. He just now works in a Major League Baseball front office. So more of the story is if you write for Rumbunder, you'll probably get a job with the Major League Baseball front office. But I uh, know 
we uh, we took over the site when it wasn't in a good spot and helped revive it to some of its previous glory, which has been awesome. And uh, yeah, no, I love every second of it. Yeah, I mean, I think when I I came over about two weeks, I think before Marty did, and I. Um, had no idea what I was in store for. I was very nervous about quitting Clemente's Wall just because, you know, we had a decent following. Uh, we had a couple thousand followers, and the site seemed like it was gaining some traction. Like, you know, but when Rumbunner came to me and obviously, you know, offered me a, a position to be an editor, you know, it's hard to turn that down. Bigger audience. Obviously, like Marty said, to make some little extra money is never a bad thing, especially in 2016 when you're fresh out of college and you got those loans about to kick in. But, you know, I think when we took over, there was about five to 6,000 Twitter followers, and we're up to almost 17,000 now. So, you know, just something to show, like, you know, the, how much the site has grown how much social media also in general has grown and you know it's great to kind of be in a spot like marty said to be able to um you know have pirate fans go and communicate and i think that's one thing that you know often people forget is we work for a company called fansided you know this is not a uh we're not a newspaper we're we're not um a professional website per se we are a fan opinionated oriented website first and you know so at times yeah we we can be polarizing but understand that you know we're we're feeding into into the passion of the fan base and you know whether you agree or not that that is up to you because you're your own fan of your own team so that's fine but understand we're not always necessarily talking from the stat page you know we're talking from the the heart sometimes from the gut you know what it, the, the, the initial reaction and you know it's a cool experience because of that you know you have a lot of these other um, pirate sites or baseball sites in general who you know they are trying to go for a more formal professional um, site and that's great for them that's good for them if they how they want to do it but you know I feel like we have a lot more freedom with Rumbunner to really express our, our true views and not necessarily pushing you know certain storylines or agendas no doubt. Um, this beer, <laughs> the fact that we haven't knocked over this glass is that's a, amazing. <laughs> that's really a miracle. Um, no, you guys, you guys said it. And, you know, at the end of the day, the fact that we're able to do this, I was walking up to, to this venue this morning and, uh, you know, just kind of thinking, man, without the, the cunning, accurate, hilarious tweets, hilarious content that Rumbunter provided back in when I first found out about it, 2017, you know, this never would have happened, gentlemen. So, um, you know, hats off to you guys for everything that you do for building what has become just a, a place for Pirates fans to go and kind of experience, you know, what it's like to, to suffer. Yeah, I mean, when Marty and I took over the site full time, it was me, him, and like he said, Dave. We had three writers, and, you know, we really worked hard to put out stuff as much as we could. And, you know, like Trey said, just – having people gravitate towards their site you know now we have a huge network of of people who write and are on uh, twitter you know such as cody noah um and uh, a couple new guys too so check out for them but it's just it's crazy because i never thought like back in 2016 that the site would be where it is today 
Let me apologize to you gentlemen for this crazy mic setup. Uh, I appreciate you bearing with it today, but let me thank you guys for, you know, allowing me to, to join the fold. And um, let me thank everybody that listens to our podcast and everybody that follows our content because, you know, this isn't possible without the people that continue to care and the people that continue to come to, to the site, come to the Twitter, come to the podcast and support what we do. And we got a baseball game to go catch down. We got some bobbleheads to go collect. Uh, keep Ryan Hayes' defensive bobblehead, that is. But, Gentlemen, as we wrap it up today, um, you know, just kind of your final thoughts and uh, how you how you guys feel on June 2023 of where the Pirates stand and, and what the future looks like for the rest of the season. Well, I mean, first and foremost, let's say I feel much better than I anticipated feeling June of 2023 back in like March of 2023. That's for certain. Um, but yeah, like you said, Trey, without the people, and I, I know I say this a lot on Twitter on Facebook, on our site, whatever it might be. Without the people who read us, without follow us, interact with us, none of this would be possible. Um, you guys are the best. Um, I know we put out a lot of nonsense. Why you people continue to read us, I have no idea some days. But uh, shout out to you, I guess, for doing something well. Like Nick said, it's not just us. It's Noah Wright. It's Cody Duncan. You, you know, our, our site writers. It's Seth Ross. It, it's we, we have such a large network anymore. Bryce O'Leary, Jeffrey Cup. I know I'm forgetting people, and I apologize because we, we've grown so much. But, uh, yeah, no, you guys are awesome. Without all the work you guys put in, we wouldn't be here. And most importantly, without you, the, all of y'all who you, you read us, you follow on Twitter, whatever it might be, without you guys, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, I mean, overall, it's like – you know, a cool, a cool experience just to be a part of um, something that, you know, like you, you said, Mario, you can't really say it any better, but we get we get paid a little extra side money, a little extra spending money to write about the Pittsburgh Pirates and to talk about them. You know, it's something that you and I did in college dorm rooms for years, and that's, that's why we started Clemente's Wall back in the dorm room in 2014, because we were like, hey, like, why don't we put this on the website? Like, why are we just sitting here talking back and forth, you know? So to, to go from then to now, I would have never predicted. And, you know, like Trey said, to, to start the year, no one would have thought that the Pirates would be in first place contention for the Central. You know, there was hope they would be an improvement, maybe not a 100-loss team. That was the hope. Okay, not. But instead, we're, we're sitting here middle of June, and, you know, we're, we're talking about, about the Pittsburgh Pirates and not the draft coming up or not who are they going to trade away and, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's definitely – you know, it's it's been a great season so far and look forward to continuing, uh, you know, the process on our website and, of course, you know, watching the Pirates on the field. It has been amazing, gentlemen. Just the fact that we're getting to do this today is so cool, you know, and um, the fact that we get to do this each and every week is, is incredible to get a you know, meet with you guys and um, just get your thoughts on everything. It's been awesome. Again, huge shout-out to our, our people here at Federal Galley, the couple hundred fans that came out and joined us today for the podcast and, uh, you know, everything else we got going on. Thank you guys for sticking around for it. we got a game to go catch, guys. Andrew McCutcheon is at 1,999 hits. By the time you're listening to this, maybe he's Mr. 2K. But we're going to have to go in there and see. Uh, but until next time, for Nick Caparoso, Marty Leap, Going to do it in person. This has been an incredible experience. Um, looking forward to hopefully more of this in the future, gentlemen, as we continue to grow. But uh, until next time, this has been Rum Muncher Radio. Let's go, Bucks.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.